Hello and welcome to the Harvard EdCast, a series of conversations with thought leaders in the field of education from across the country and around the world. I'm your host, Matt Weber, and we're here with Reshma Sajani, CEO and founder of Girls Who Code, who will be addressing the graduating class and their families at the Harvard Graduate School of Education in under an hour. We can't <laughs> wait. Welcome. Thank you for having me. So for those unfamiliar with the sort of origin story of Girls Who Code, uh, how did you come to found this wonderful organization? What's the backstory? Yeah, so I'm kind of like a weird person to start Girls Who Code. Um, I'm not a coder. I didn't major in computer science. I was probably terrified of math and science growing up. Um, but it's something that I saw kind of firsthand when I was running, I ran for office in 2010 for United States Congress, and I'd go into New York City public schools, and I'd go into computer science classes or robotics labs, and I'd see a lot of boys, right? And this question of where are the girls, right, is something that became an obsession of mine. Because I really wanted to understand, like, where, where were women in tech? What happened? And what I learned was surprising that, you know, quite frankly, almost 40% of all CS graduates in the 1980s were women. And now that number is less than 18%. So, and it's getting worse, right? So we've had this kind of dramatic decline Any of women in technology. idea of why that decline happened? Oh, well, I think it's about culture, right? So also in the 1980s, you saw the birth of like the programmer, right? Like the dude in a hoodie sitting in a basement somewhere, you know, staring at a screen. There might be one of those on campus right yes, now. Yes, and we love them. But, you know, little girls saw them in, you know, Revenge of the Nerds or Weird Science, and they, you can't be what you cannot see. And so they looked at this image, and they didn't see themselves in it, and they opted, started opting out. So, so in, in putting together kind of what Girls Who Code will do, there's the sort of broad mission statement of getting girls to code, but how, how do you sort of bring an intervention into the culture to, to make that actually turn the numbers around and become a reality so that when you do walk into those rooms you see you see yeah women. so programmatically we have two things we do we we throw ba we basically host summer immersion programs inside technology companies and so we teach girls to code and it's very project-based learning so like if a girl thinks or is an impression of a computer scientist is somebody just you know typing it and staring at a screen we flip that on its head and say okay is there a problem you care about because most high school girls do great let's use technology to solve it so you care that your mother is obese right let's figure out how to build an app on healthy eating you went to nigeria last year and you saw women don't have access to water great let, let's build a tool you know what i mean to help solve that and use technology so really showing them and open their eyes to how technology can help them be problem solvers and change agents. And, and a little bit about kind of its its reach, where it is, and 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 how it's grown over the years, and and what you're. I guess it's hard to say what you're most proud of, but like where is the impact that you're getting really excited about? I mean, I'm. I, we've grown enormously, especially through our Girls Who Code Clubs program. So we run after school programs in middle school uh, and high schools across the country. We're in all 50 states. We are in homeless shelters, in the daughter of migrant workers, the, some of the poorest communities, and some of the wealthiest communities in America. I'm the most proudest of our girls. And just the fact that I really do believe that like we've created an army of change agents, of, of girls who, girls and then to be women who will find a cure to cancer, right? Who will do something about climate change that will solve really big problems using technology. Like I always joke, like I feel like, um, you know, when you think about male entrepreneurs, it's like they build companies to, like, replace their mothers, right? They're like, I don't want to walk my dog. Let me think about WAG. Or, like, I don't want to sit on my couch. <laughs> I and, never like, thought order. of it that way, it's but true, it's true, right? Sense. Or they're, like, thinking about artificial intelligence to, like, increase basket sizes in Walmart or something. But girls... Uber, right? right? We need a ride, Mom. <laughs> yes. 
But girls, mm -mm. like they are thinking about this in a very different way. And I think that that's what's so important and so powerful because we want to make sure that there's not innovations being left on the sidelines. Uh, girls who code, you know, existing in a um, in a climate right now, a political climate. What does it did it take extra effect now that uh, President Trump is around? Is there a sort of different perception of making sure that there's gender equity and that there's coding is important in Silicon Valley? I mean, it seems like there's a there's a nice wave of momentum yeah. that's partially being driven by girls who code, yeah. but just in general, is this a tough time or, or an easy time for this work? I think it's a fearful time, right? I think that a lot of people that are doing gender work, like myself, are um, scared. Uh, Scar scared of what? Because I think that the, 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 you know, you look at the Office of Science and Technology, it used to have 150 people, it now has one, right? You, you, th you know, there's a big conversation about kind of let girls learn and what, you know, and so you don't see this administration as one that is just, you know, announcing new programs on gender equity. They have a very different lens about this issue. So I think that those of us who do, I, I feel, felt like after the election, I doubled down on my, on, on my commitment, right? Um, and I think a lot of my, you know, co-padres in the movement um, did the same. And so I think we've, ex we've seen a lot, of, uh, a lot of passion and commitment come from our partners to be like, okay, well, regardless of what's happening in politics, we need to make sure that we don't lose sight of how important this is. And I think corporations are stepping up. I also think that we, we have to think creatively about how to really build bipartisan support for this. You know, we did a, a, a summit, Sheryl Sandberg hosted a Facebook with, you know, the four female governors, you know, of which two are amazing Republicans, right, and who are really passionate about this topic. And so, you know, this is not, this is something, you know, one, one of the biggest eye-openers for me, I, you know, after the election, too, was that I started really talking to my girls in the Rust Belt and their families and understanding, like, what did I miss? You know, because for them, they weren't coming to Girls Who Code cl Clubs because they believed in gender equity. Mm -hmm. They were coming to Girls Who Code Clubs because they believed in American opportunity. And that's fine, right? But then we need to talk about this issue in a different way for different audiences. So, so to that point of how we can talk about it, I mean, we have all these listeners, teachers, parents, yeah. educators who are listening right now on various devices. Uh, what can they do to be those sort of change agents, the, the kind of people that are doing the good, kind of good work that you're doing? Uh, not just, the, obviously, your website and, and ways to get involved, but like aspirational messaging for what they can do as change agents once this podcast ends. I mean, they are the most powerful, the most influential people in a girl's life. I mean, certainly was for me. I, I always joke that, you know, I spent most of my, I was just spoke at my high school last week, and I said, you know, up until uh, a teacher in my ninth grade, I spent most of my time in detention, you know, because I was bored and not challenged, and so I just made trouble. But a teacher saw something in me that I didn't even see in myself. And so I, I really believe in the power of educators to really um, – to be at the front lines. And so, you know, we need we need our teachers to tell our girls that they're makers and that they're creators and that they need to learn, they need to be brave and that they shouldn't chase perfection and credentials, which is what I'm gonna talk about today. Um, and that, you know, computers are not a boy's thing and they can be anything and everything. Thanks, Barb. And that's why we're so glad you're here. A little bit about where people can learn more about specifically about Girls Who Code. Well, go to our website, girlswhocode.com. Um, it'll tell you where our clubs are, when our summer programs are, how you can volunteer. Um, yeah, thank Re you. Reshma Sajani, CEO and founder of Girls Who Code and our wonderful 
convocation speaker at the Harvard Graduate School of Education. Thank you, and good luck. Thank you. You're going to do great. I'm a little nervous, but thank you. This has been the Harvard EdCast, a production of the Harvard Graduate School of Education. I'm your host, Matt Weber. Thank you kindly for listening.